Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, today's episode will be predominantly devoted to the Notre Dame preview. As always, want to thank our friends Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, uh, one uh, great partnership for us from a, a consistently high-quality product at a new Iberia, Louisiana. People that we're fortunate to be able to work with and very fortunate to have as the title sponsor of the Nolcast. So... With that in mind, Bud, let's uh, jump into a Notre Dame team that has impressed us since the the first Saturday we watched them uh, in kind of the lead up to the Virginia Tech game over Labor Day weekend, and it's uh, it's only been a, a team that's kind of evolved uh, over the course of time. And it's uh, there'll be parts of this preview that that don't exactly make for for fun listening for some of those in the in the fan base. Yeah, but we're not going to make things up and lie to you about about stuff and, and pretend like issues aren't there. So that's a, a positive. It's a trade-off, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of reality uh, versus with a little bit of reality. So, 17 uh, or uh, 7.30 kickoff, NBC, primetime game. Uh, maybe a 40% chance of snow earlier in the day. A little bit less at night, so I'm not convinced this will be a snow game. Uh, looks like temps will be in the 20s. So, whew, those, those four guys are, are going to really, uh, really be challenged there, I, I, I think, with that. Notre Dame this year has has been remarkably consistent on defense in that it's been an elite defensive unit all year. And since they've made the change to quarterback Ian Book, their win expectancies on a percentage basis, 100, 98, 94, 97, 197. Nobody has really been able to play with them for more than a half. Pitt actually had it close, but that was a lot of luck in that game and not really repeatable stuff. Over under 53 in this one. The line is 18. And uh, with that, I guess let's jump into the, uh, well, we'll start with Notre Dame's offense. I don't want to keep hitting people over the head with FSU's offense to start the podcast. I have a feeling it might make people turn the show off. Uh, So Notre Dame's offense, Edgar. All right, Notre Dame's offense. uh, Been a a solid unit uh, throughout the season, but like you mentioned, has been uh, operating at a different pace since it moved to book book when you watch him is i don't know that he's great at anything but i'm not sure he gets less than like a seven and a half or eight at anything either he's incredibly well-rounded makes great decisions uh with the ball has the ability to throw the ball over the middle of the field which i have a feeling we'll see a decent amount of can test you uh wide as far as a pretty good thrower the back shoulder ball good thrower the corner route and I've been really impressive at the manner in which he executes his play action reads. It's he's he's really comfortable in doing it, makes good reads and uh and if he keeps, he's not, you know, he's not a Michael Vick type character, but if he keeps the ball, the kid is uh, an above average runner by far and can really make you uh make you pay for getting lazy with some of your reads. So I'm I've been really impressed by Book and if we're going to start talking about the offense, probably no better place than to start with the quarterback position. Yeah, man, he he's been really good. I mean, Notre Dame operates out of a you know spread shotgun, pretty physical. Uh, they they do operate with pace. All the things Florida State would kind of aspire to be this year, but uh, but are not. And then so maybe maybe in a couple of years, Ian Book, seventy four and a half percent completions. That's real good. That's number one in the nation. Good. By a lot too, especially against D one teams. I mean, he's he's three percentage points better than anybody else there, which completion percentage is impressive. Three point eight percent sack rate. That is a big time improvement over Wimbush. They they basically cut their sack rate 
in half. And most of that is because he gets the ball out on time. He's not quite the athlete that, that Wimbush is, but he's not a statue. And the run element with the quarterback of their offense is still very much present. 8.3 yards for attempt is, is very solid, respectable. 13.3% marginal efficiency. That offense hums when he is in there. 15 to 4 touchdown to INT ratio. So almost 4 to 1 there. Uh, and then, like I said, a pretty capable runner. I'm not going to tell you that Ian Book is like like a you know future first round pick or anything like that, but in the college game, he's really good and uh, and and he'll give Florida State all kinds of trouble. He is. Uh, he's got a impressive uh, collection of wide receivers around him. Miles Boykin is a big physical wide receiver. Claypool is also uh, somebody that will stand out to you. Tight ends are pretty athletic. Uh, look, Notre Dame has a has a really good roster. Uh, I don't know that it has any absolute superstars, but it, it is a very well-rounded. And Dexter Williams has returned at the running back position to give them what's been a pretty intimidating back uh, average of, what, eight north of eight and a half yards a carry. So there's not a whole lot of areas of weakness when you just look at the personnel and the pieces that make up this offense. Yeah, exactly, man. They're, they're well coached. They've been in the system a long time, you know, Brian Kelly has done a good job since since his time at Cincinnati. They've had some ups and downs there, but they stuck with him because they see the guy has a track record and uh, and it's paid off. Also, have a really nice running back, Dexter Williams. He's out of the state of Florida. Come back from I believe I think it was like some kind of suspension or something early in the year, but uh, since he's been back, been really really good. I think I saw eight point eight seven yards per attempt, which seems insane to me. But he's had a lot of long runs, and so so he he will break some explosive runs. Yeah, I was gonna say normally means you got a couple couple of house calls built into numbers like that. Yeah, um, and of course that that's not over a full season. But he's been really good since coming back uh, for the Virginia Tech game. Uh, he, he he tore them up pretty well. Like you said, really good size on the outside with their receivers. Their their, their slot guy Chris Finke, very dependable, high catch rate and. Uh, Tight end uh, Elise Mack, who I, I, I know from the from the uh, from the recruiting ranks, pretty good player as well. On the offensive line, they've they've been a little bit inconsistent relative to the rest of of their group. Right, they they lost uh, two first rounders to the NFL. I think like two like top twenty picks actually, uh, including one guy who's who's real good that guard that they had last year. But they they've they've been better. They did lose a guy a couple games ago, but. Overall, they, they still look pretty good to me. Look, Notre Dame will throw the ball a lot on first down now that they have Book. I, I think that's a major change compared to Wimbush. With, with Wimbush, it was a lot of running and play action. They didn't really trust him to, to drop back and, and make reads, and uh, for good reason. He, he really wasn't very good at it. With Book, I, I fully expect them to pick on Florida State's safeties and linebackers with, with first down passes, and I expect them to have success because uh, – Four states linebackers and safeties are, uh, for the most part, not very good. And, you know, man, one thing I'm interested in seeing this week is, you know, last year or last week, DeKalen Brooks kind of got exposed a lot. Do, do you wonder, I mean, we got to be able to see somebody else in there just, just to get some reps, right? And somebody with a little more athleticism and size. You can't be, like, undersized and slow. I understand he knows the defense probably better than some other guys, but, you know, whew. Certainly, some some very real limitations there. I I don't know. I mean, I'm not uh, not trying to call anybody out, but are, is are we going to see Josh Brown at all? I don't know, man. That's t- that's two coaching staffs in a row who don't who don't seem to think that that, that he he needs to get on the field. 
a kid that's talented and appeared uh, coming in that, uh, to be somebody that would be able to see the field early and just hasn't transitioned. I mean, has he developed? Has he put in the effort in, in, in the weight room and the time in the weight room and in, in the film room? Like, has, has he given a reason for them to play him? Yeah. Well, there's been something, like you said. It's it, Warner's been, been getting the, uh, the more of the playing time. Yeah, Warner is is. Uh, They've kind of given Warner a third down package where he spies the quarterback. Obviously, he's gotten more play last weekend uh, thanks to either injury or other reason. But uh, it would seem as though that if Josh Brown's going to get cracks at it, you, you would think that now might be a time. I mean, a desperate need to to have somebody step up at that position. And Brooks can be a good player, uh, but Brooks is uh, – Brooks's game doesn't pair very well with what Notre Dame's going to try to do to him as far as manipulate him uh, in this in this uh, Saturday, and uh, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me to see a little bit of rotation from the linebacking core. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I would like to see that um, just because I don't think Florida State has a realistic shot to win this game. So, you know, given that, I, I think it would make a lot of uh, a lot of sense. No, there's not a real realistic shot, and people don't like it when we say that. Hell, my best friends were called me like a, a beta soy boy uh, when they listened to parts of the Clemson preview or the the uh, I think it was actually the podcast before the Clemson preview that they were disgusted but sure right uh, folks it's just there's you know a- absent miracles there's a whole lot that's not there right now so uh, Notre Dame's particularly just a, a really well-rounded wa- roster with areas of strength that Florida State doesn't pair and uh, again I, I go back to when you and I Watched the uh, Notre Dame Michigan for ten minutes uh, game the first weekend of the year. We looked at each other and go, mm, "Notre Dame's a little better than we thought, particularly up front." And uh, they've they've only kind of built from that over the course of the season. All right, with that, uh, I think we should probably take the time here to thank our second sponsor for the Table Restaurant Group, which includes Madison Social, Central Township, Soto, and Madison Social Catering. All right there in the heart of College Town, the shadow of Doe Campbell Stadium. Really a, a great spot to go and, and, and grab a burger or some nice Italian food or, or what, what have you. Nice craft beer on tap. Great place to, uh, to sit outside on, on the patio in the beautiful weather we're getting right now in Tallahassee. Longtime supporter of ours, so uh, please, if, if you love the show, support them when you're in town or, or maybe pick up some gear in their in their shop at magicsocial.com. As I mentioned, uh, you and I were fortunate enough to be able to watch the Notre Dame Michigan game at the Madso location. Just a fantastic opportunity to uh meet up with friends, catch a game, have a great consistent experience uh and before we leave uh our Madso read, I'll go ahead and have people uh, circle their calendars for the 17th of the month. It will be the return of uh of Reuben Day. Uh the Reuben sandwich was uh temporarily postponed due to uh, some of the ramifications from Hurricane Michael, and it will be uh, coming back with a, a strong return on the 17th. So just remind our Tallahassee listeners that you got about eight or nine days to plan a, a strong lunch built around uh, one Reuben sandwich from Madison Social. All right. So those are positive vibes. Now we got to talk about the good or the better part of this Notre Dame team, and that is the defense. And this defense is really good. Number three in the nation, good. So Florida State's probably had to play, what, two of the best five defenses in the nation now in the course of three weeks? That's not fun. Notre Dame, number three in the nation, according to Bill Connolly's S&P defense. I think FPI has them like a top five level defense. 
number 19 in efficiency, number six in explosiveness prevention, number eight in preventing, uh, you know, like, like scoring drives. Excellent against the rush, 15th nationally. Uh, also great against the pass, 14th nationally. So, uh, whew, okay. Um, and in the cold weather, this is probably, can't say definitely, but probably not going to be fun. It was never going to be fun. Uh, it was. It was. This was always going to be a real tough matchup. And and once you went and put your offensive line in a blender and uh, basically had every suitable offensive lineman that you would want playing removed uh, from from contention, with the exception of of Eberle, I guess at this point, or if if they are playing their places that you wouldn't want them to play. Yeah, it's not going to be a fun watch in all likelihood. Uh, if Florida State has success uh, on the offensive side of the ball, cherish it, appreciate it, uh, realize where it came from, and, and realize that uh, that wasn't a very easy play to either draw up, execute, or uh, fulfill. So uh, any kind of success I will uh, re- <laughs> welcome with arms wide open, but I, I don't see Florida State being able to do much at all this weekend. Man, look. We are not going to shy away from this. This is the number one issue facing this program right now, and it is bigger, in my opinion, than all of the other issues combined. You can talk about penalties. You can talk about linebackers and safeties. Those are issues to varying degrees. But the offensive line issue swamps all of the other issues combined because you simply cannot move the ball against any kind of decent defense because your players are not good. Your best players are below average. Your worst players are just terrible not scholarship level players. Florida State is 129th in opportunity rate for its backs. That's a way to measure your your blocking. Notre Dame is 11th in opportunity rate allowed. So 11th versus 129th. Florida State is 129th in rushing marginal efficiency. 129th. There are only 130 teams. So you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. I haven't looked, but I'm guessing UTEP or Rice are probably the team FSU's beating out. Notre Dame is 24th on defense. FSU's 126th in stuff rate, which measures runs stopped for uh, no gain or negative yards. Notre Dame is 50th, so still 126th against 50th. That's not even a, like a, a huge strength for Notre Dame, but against this offensive line, it becomes one. 127th in marginal efficiency on standard downs, which is, you know, First and 10, second and seven or better. Notre Dame, 16th in marginal efficiency allowed on standard downs. This is just the facts. Even if you don't turn it over, the opposing team is winning field position against you so, so much. And it's not all because of the kickoff returns. In fact, that's only a small part of it. The biggest part is that, you know, you got like an average punter. You go out there, you go, you go three and out because you get absolutely wrecked physically on the offensive line. This isn't coaching. This isn't guys missing assignments. This is guys just getting their ass whipped up front. It happened against Clemson. It happened against NC State. It happened somewhat against Vatek, but that was more, I think, like a comfort angle, you know, guys settling into their roles. Most of this is because of injury and attrition, right? You've had guys leave the program. And you've had guys get hurt. You're playing a guard off ACL surgery, and a backup center at offensive tackle. I don't think you can block Notre Dame. Now, they got some good players up front. We should probably talk to you about Jerry Tillery. is a really nice defensive tackle. Um, defensive ends, J- Dalen Hayes and, and Julian Aguara. 
uh, have have done a great job getting pressure on on, on quarterbacks and, and chasing down the run game. Whew. Uh, man, they've had some different combos at offensive line this week too. By the way, in practice, I, I know John Williams w- was spotted getting some more reps there. Scary. Yeah, because I don't I don't think that's because he's improving. I just think that they're they're just trying other stuff. And Brady Scott was getting some reps at center, which I actually am encouraged by because I'm I'm starting to really wonder if Babion can play center because this is two staffs in a row who really struggled with him snapping and you know the calls and whatnot. So maybe if Brady Scott is your center next year because Everly's a senior, he's going to graduate. I like Brady Scott, not as a tackle, but I, I like Brady Scott. It's like he plays hard. He's he's got some want to to him. Like I I think they can work with a guy like Brady Scott. You know, he's the only guy on this offensive line who I, I think will be will be playing in 2020 because Minshew will be a senior next year. I don't think Dickerson will be here two more years. So, I mean, I don't want to just hit the, the you know, end record button here, <laughs> but this is kind of where the game begins and ends. Like, I'm not screwing around. You know it. Let's talk about their linebackers and, and, and I guess their I guess their DBs too, you know, but but this is it. Like, you you really can't block them. I don't think, and it's a national TV game. I, I don't think you're going to catch Notre Dame sleeping. You know, like they're, Florida State's still a big name, even if they're not any good. You don't subscribe to the idea that they're looking ahead to that big Syracuse matchup? Probably, probably not. No, I mean, Florida State is a massive name. You don't have kids grew up with this program, either loving it or hating it or uh, or wanting to be a part of it or wanting to play against it. It's not, you just, that's one of the, the things that when you're Florida State, you don't, you don't get to catch sneak up on people. You don't get uh, people's you know mediocre effort or anything else. And uh, and you normally have a roster that which the opposing team can legitimately uh, you know require concentration from his own his own uh, forces because he can point to a five star here and, and three four stars here and a, a bunch of talented kids. But no, they I, I will never subscribe to the idea that Florida State's going to sneak up on somebody and and catch a team looking ahead. Uh, or, or if we do, I would hate to see how many years of mediocrity have to be built into this program for that to for that to occur. Yeah, uh, whew, man. All right, so Notre Dame's linebackers are, are very good. Tavon Coney and, and Drew Tranquil are, are active. They're physical. They're they're you know upperclassmen who understand what they're doing. And their defensive backs are all, uh, I think, juniors and seniors, and they don't allow big plays. And that's a problem for Florida State because Florida State, the only real way they move the ball is via big plays uh, because they're, you know, they're just they're so outmatched physically up front that they really can't sustain drives with success rate. You know, it's just big play, big play, big play. They're also a very good blitz team, and they never get bur- and they don't usually get burned on the back end. So that's a probably an issue too. We should probably talk about the quarterback issue too, because it appears that uh, that there may be a different thing than what we expected the last time we recorded. Yeah, um, this is interesting, but I, I don't. Uh, I have to say this would be the first time I would really depart from the current coach staff, uh, coaching staff's idea. Now, maybe it's that you don't want to throw a kid into a Notre Dame defense in situation that you know he's not going to do well, but you know. Blackman took his lumps last year. It's not like he's a. Uh, it's not like he's a character that could have his whole mentality crushed if he goes out there and and doesn't find success. In my opinion, so I'm really not sure what's going on here. And this would be the first time that I think I would be particularly critical of Taggart if uh, if I'm not aware of some kind of other angle that exists with this decision. 
Absolutely. Look, I, I think that if if he just chooses to start DeAndre over James, like if it's his choice, I'm going to be really disappointed. I've thought about this a lot this week. The only way that I think this makes any kind of sense is if is if Friend, excuse me, is if is if Blackman really wants wants to preserve his red shirt. Which I think if I was him, I might, but I also might not. The argument for keeping the red shirt right is you don't want to blow a season playing only, you know, maybe I don't know, 300 snaps total. Whereas if you keep your red shirt, then you could like like you, you play one more year here next year. You got the credits to grad transfer out and go somewhere if you lose the job to Sam Howell. That makes a lot of sense. Like from a from a me standpoint, I could totally see doing that. I can also see trying to, you know, get more reps in games in the system uh, and, and and show out. Because it does appear that that Blackman is maybe not the best practice player compared to what he does in games, right? It, it just based on NC State. I don't think the coaching staff saw that coming, right? Like, I, I don't think that he's – I think Francois in practice is actually better than Blackman is. Um, Blackman may be a guy who is a little bit better in games than he gets in practice, maybe due to adrenaline or whatever. But, man, you know, I was joking around with Jeff Cameron the other day on the phone, and, and I was like, well, maybe, maybe they'll just let, let DeAndre take all the hits against Notre Dame and then play Blackman you know, in the final two games that you could actually have some shot to win. But man, that's, I don't think that's likely. Uh, and I mean, you had, you had the whole DeAndre comments this week about, you know, how, how Taggart's assured me that, that I'm the starter, blah, 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 or made it clear to me. I don't think he handled that all that well, to be honest, you know, especially not because your coach just got done saying it'll be, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll go with whoever, whoever plays better in practice this week. But I think if it's, if it's DeAndre and then James doesn't redshirt, I'm going to be surprised. Absent DeAndre going down with an injury again or something like that. You know, like I, I really don't think that you should pick DeAndre over James if it's a legitimate decision to pick. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because James is a better leader. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a better leader. He's a, obviously uh, a guy that the team a little more easy to, to buy in and look this is a this is not going to be a fun way to end the season in all likelihood i think you're going to need as many hands on deck and as as many people uh bought in as possible and i think uh not rolling with james blackman again absent issues that uh that are not immediately evident or absent a kid ex- explicitly wanting to redshirt which honestly would surprise me in this situation maybe it is in play, but I would be surprised. I would I would question the decision making here. I, I I don't see it, and uh, not my program. Not I'm not around these kids every day. I don't conduct practice, but uh, this would be something that I would be surprised by and probably pretty critical of. Yeah, I I think uh, I mean he keeps getting first team reps in practice, so I'm not going to be surprised at this point. But I, I I'm I'm going to be really curious to see to see the why. You know what I mean? Surprised by the decision, maybe not so much the pieces that lead up to it. Yeah. You're right. His he's, he's, uh, practice would indicate that. Well, we'll see. You know, regardless, uh, the production and, and play is probably not all that different uh, on the field. I, I think Blackman was a, a lot of things to look at and appreciate last weekend. I also think he benefited uh, by playing against a horrible secondary, but – Bill Ackman would certainly be my choice, and I would be, uh, I would be pretty, pretty questioning as to if we continue to put twelve out there. But that'll be a uh, 
conversation that we can have uh, next week and uh, something that we can look back after the Notre Dame game on. Absolutely. Um, so uh, prediction time, I guess. I think everybody that have listened to this and are still with us at this point in time probably has a pretty good ideas to where we're going with it. Uh, I just don't see great things. Uh, I've been impressed by what I've seen over Notre Dame uh, all year and particularly in kind of my uh, review of them over the last 36 hours or so. But I see something like uh, Notre Dame, low 30s, Florida State 6. So uh, official score, I'll put something like 31 to 6 uh, on, on the board here. All right, I will go uh, 38-10 just because I, I feel like like if she's offense, will give Notre Dame great field position all day. So that was fairly quick on, on the preview. Um, want to thank you now, Resolution Home Loans. Resolution Home Loans, a great no-loan business. Shannon and Chad will get you hooked up with the best possible home loan. With their almost home program, they want to make sure that you're ready to fire as soon as you see that opening of the house that you really want to get hook you up with a great rate, and, and and have great communication with you throughout the whole process. So call 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or visit FSUHomeLoans.com today. That's FSUHomeLoans.com. Uh, so tell them that Nolcast sent you for sure. Had a lot of, lot of uh, Nolcast listeners very happy with their experience with resolution. But because we went through this so quick this week, we figured we'd, we'd go through a couple more questions. You know, obviously, we don't do as many mailbag episodes during the season, but we we always let your your feedback uh, sort of you know shape our, our shows because we, we do want to address the fans. But that's uh, that's what we'll do today. Let's jump right into it. Matthew asks Bud with four games at most left on the schedule, can we expect to see any of the freshmen who have yet to play this year? Yeah, I think we definitely will see we'll see some freshmen. The issue is like I still think they're trying to win games. You know what I mean? Which <sighs> It, it's it's a tough balance to strike, right? Do you just start playing a bunch of the young guys? I would probably do it against Notre Dame to, to get them some experience, you know, because I don't think you have a real shot to win this game. Do you do it against BC? Do you do it against Florida? Like, I, I definitely think there are some dynamics at, at play here that, that you have to balance. Like, you actually want to try to win those last two games. But I, I think if, if guys have shown that they can get in and not embarrass themselves, which, I mean – you know, like maybe like an Amari Gainer or something like that. I was gonna say, yeah, the the gentleman that's actually posed in the next question may be the best, uh, maybe the best possible option, and and maybe uh, we could circle back to the linebacker conversation that we had twenty minutes ago or so, and maybe this is a, a name that uh, comes to the forefront. So, uh, with that in mind, we'll move to Trey's question as it kind of dovetails well with the first one. Trey asked, I asked this question earlier in the year, and I think it's even more relative after what happened at linebacker last week. Is Amari Gaynor close to being ready to get more meaningful snaps with his size and physicality? And looking at the offenses Notre Dame, BC, and UF deploy, are we not better off getting him in there almost because of his size alone? He may not be ready, but if it's not, it's not like we're taking much risk leaving the other guys on the sideline. Where am I going wrong? I don't think you are going wrong. I mean, obviously the injury set him back. I don't know where he is on the learning curve. Um, you know, he was very athletic coming out of high school. I don't know that he was the most like technically advanced kid coming out of high school, uh, but certainly a, a prospect that they like and, and they're excited to work with. But I, I, I want to see what they can get out of like, like Leonard Warner and, and Emmett Rice first. You know, I, I think that's probably the path back to respectability at linebacker. You're going to have Dontavious next year. Can Leonard Warner or, or Emmett Rice, his upperclassman, give you something, you know, 
I guess I should just say the say the name Josh Brown here, but I, I don't have a whole lot of expectation of that right now. But I wouldn't hate to see Gainer out there, you know, just just to see what he can do, uh, as long as he won't embarrass himself. Gainer's a name to look for uh, along the defensive line. Wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see Xavier Peters getting rotated back into play. So you know, something we'll look at. But a, a good point here that we're we're kind of in the window of time to which, uh, if you are going to see some of these freshmen get rotation with uh, the idea of maintaining a red shirt that there's certainly uh, some guys out there that could get uh, scattered in uh, another Matthew asks uh, well first he states that he loves listening to the Noel cast and he uh, frequently supports our sponsor Louisiana hot sauce so much appreciated that eats at Madison social uh, so he's just checking off all the boxes here and his question is only one way out of this is recruiting and it's Taggart strength but crystal balls are now showing Oregon for uh, Thibodeau uh, Dean isn't coming. Neil likely headed to Alabama. Where is the silver lining? I, I don't think there is one with elite national prospects out of your state. You're probably not going to pull many of those, if any, if you go four and eight. You know, I think that the the storm of bad luck they've had this season is going to make this, you know, maybe a year longer rebuild than initially projected. I think uh, I, I'm not saying that Florida State's going to sign any of the three guys mentioned there. I, I do think that the the Florida State may close on one or two kids that the general fan base doesn't think that they have in their back pocket right now. I think uh, the recruiting efforts will be better than what some expect, but uh, facts are the facts. And when you go out and you've had the year that you, you've had, it's 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 going to be real hard to grab you know the most coveted of, of uh, prospects. And, and like you mentioned, it's going to be real hard to get a kid out of Mississippi when the rest of the SEC is recruiting them, and it, it's going to be uh, next to impossible to convince a kid to to travel from California to Tallahassee uh, when when the product on the field has been, uh, you know, not by far not your uh, not your best advertisement to to put out there. So probably going to swing and miss on the uh, on the five stars and the the highest of the out of state kids, but uh, overall. I think this class will be a little bit better than than some seem to think where it's trending right now. I think they'll probably sign the top class in the state. Yeah, that's true. Miami's class seems to kind of be falling apart. That's never happened before, which is surprising. Yeah, that's very surprising. Very surprising. Here you go. Uh, uh, we got two more. Uh, Kevin says, I love the show. Here's something I've been kicking around since arguing with FSU fans on Facebook. It's a good platform. Good platform to, to have an educated argument, definitely. Yeah, the percentage of people who misspell the head coach's name on Facebook when the article includes the correct spelling of the head coach's name is staggering. But yeah, also, well, most of Facebook most of the Facebook comment sections are just like I don't know. There's just so much like like not even hidden racism. It's just like flat, like right there. It's just it, I would just not argue with people on Facebook at all. I know we don't even make any attempt to moderate the uh, Tomahawk Nation Facebook uh, page. I, I have the profanity filter on there. And other than that, I just we don't have time for it. It's not worth the effort. Uh, he asks, would it be unreasonable uh, to take this as Willie Taggart's redshirt year? Given the crazy amount of concentration of injuries slash attrition of the offensive line, does this year become an evaluation year? I've been a large proponent of Taggart getting a standard three years to, to right the ship. But with how things are going, can we assume he'll get four years for sure? 
Hey, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of think that that Kevin has this reverse. <laughs> there's a, there's an uh, 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 escalated standard there. I, I would say that I think four years is a standard, and he might get three now because of you know what the season will do to season ticket sales. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think four is the expectation. Now, that's not three years to win the conference or anything like that. He's not going to win the conference with Trevor Lawrence in the conference. Three years to show tangible progress. Yeah, I, I think three years to show like real improvement is, is now more realistic than four because of how bad this season is. Brandon asks, hey, guys, thanks to you, Louisiana Hot Sauce, and the folks at For the Table Resolution for a great show. Always a good listen. All right, there you go. Uh, prior to this game... I think I was in with the minority of the fan base. I was willing to take the lumps of uh, this year and maybe next year to see Willie's system come to fruition in the future. I was a little concerned there before when I heard that Walt Bell took over play calling duties. Not that I, I didn't think Walt called a good game and not that I think it can't be a short-term fix, but I took this as an indicator of Willie questioning his own vision. Am I wrong to be concerned at all? Wasn't a key part of hiring Willie the facts that we would eventually see his explosive offense come to fruition. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for the great show. Stay steady, five stars. So a lot to unpack here. Um, I would say they're still running the exact same offense. I didn't notice any real change in play calling from Taggart to Bell. You did have a few more rollouts, which I don't attribute to the coaching change. I do attribute it to the fact that that uh, Blackman, even though he's not a great runner, is more mobile than Francois is. So I don't like. I don't think they're all of a sudden going to run Walt Bell's offense. I also think that having Bell call the plays might help you. Uh, retain the commitment of Sam Howell. And I, I don't think I've seen that mentioned anywhere else, but uh, that's something I thought of immediately. You're having Bell do that in Sam Howell's backyard in North Carolina. That, that to me, is an eye towards the future, too. Taggart said that he, you know, he thought he needed, he needed to be more involved with the entire team. Um, and maybe he's doing that to evaluate you know, which coaches may, uh, may need to be shown the door at the end of this year. Yeah, I think it's a – look, I'm going to repeat a lot what you said there. Uh, Walt Bell and what you saw on Saturday is not a big departure uh, from what we would label as Willie's offense. And uh, you don't necessarily leave uh, somebody's ideas just because somebody else is calling the play. It's – I think that Willie un- understands that he needed a broader perspective as to what was going on and a better idea as to all aspects of his team – be able to check in with people on the sidelines, monitor things, be able to have more engagement in the officials, although that didn't uh, didn't pay immediate dividends, certainly. I don't look at uh, the idea that play calling was turned over as a negative. Uh, we mentioned this in our last podcast, um, and there was a, a litany of reasons that I thought it was a positive, including the... Uh, including the possible tie-in with uh, with Sam Howell, the quarterback, as well. And, and I mentioned this, and I'll mention it again. Walt Bell's incredibly ambitious. He's going to take a head coaching job or a job somewhere else at some point in time. Uh, and I think that that job is a hell of a lot more appealing if uh, you actually let somebody have a, have a say in the offense. So I think there's a lot of positive benefits and, and dividends to be paid over time. I, I wouldn't look at that as a negative. All right. Um Although, I mean, I, I could see how you, how you would see it this one. I, I do think Taggart has shown a willingness to change things over the course of his career and adapt. Um, I don't think anybody has called him too stubborn, so that would be perhaps more evidence of that. And then the uh, the final one here, can you recall off the top of your head such a massive whiff on recruits as FSU experienced in 15 and 16? You always said the quote-unquote hit rate was unsustainable. That was when I was – Getting a lot of uh, flack from the fan base, by the way, back in, in Jimbo's first couple of years, saying that the 
the hit rate on these recruits would not stay that high. It was unsustainable. Remember that? And uh, they, they thought, you know, no, the staff is just that talented at evaluating. I'm like, no, nah, there's, there's more luck involved here than people want to accept. But that's because I do recruiting for a living and I see it everywhere, not just in Tallahassee. But he continues, uh, but if you go back through the 15 and 16 classes, they are horrible. I've seen horrible classes everywhere and they are really bad. And maybe we'll do a full show on the 15 and 16 classes just to take a look back at it. Uh, because those are the guys who are your juniors and seniors right now. And for the most part, those classes, I mean, you'd have to give them like ratings like in like like the D range probably, right? I mean, they're not an F, but they're they're pretty bad. And there's some some real bad luck you've had in those classes. I don't think people want to believe that luck has as big of a as big of a part in 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 recruiting and, and development and all that kind of stuff as as it does. But it does. And there's been just some really bad luck after some really good luck in the earlier classes. There's certainly, you know, some real rough classes to look at and if you want to review in the mid 2000s uh that'll make you feel better. Uh but yeah, a lot of a lot of whiffs from 15 and 16 and a lot of kids that uh you know are are not the uh not the type of individuals that you're going to win championships with for whatever reason. So, uh a disappointing class and yeah, like you mentioned, maybe there'll be a time where we go back and look at uh, that class in particular. Maybe you know, maybe there's a time where we go back and, and review a lot of uh, classes in a little bit more detail. Something that we've talked about, who would probably be more of a, a summer uh, exercise for us. But uh, I think there's I think there's some value in there and going back and looking at classes uh, a little bit under a micro, uh, microscopic lens. And uh, if we do, uh, 15 or 16 class may be one of the first ones that we do. Uh, yeah, that, that would definitely be. Uh be something really interesting all right anger uh we recorded this show and then at the very end of the show we learned that uh ian book may be out for this game according to irish sports daily not sure uh, uh not sure why uh, it looks like he suffered multiple injuries to his midsection according to irish sports daily during last week's game at northwestern it'll prevent him from playing in saturday's game i don't know if that's like they're just holding him out for precautions because they think they can whip florida state anyway but uh with that, we've already given the the Ian Book uh, thing, and uh, we'll need to discuss Brennan Wimbush briefly here. Excellent runner. Big-time arm. Does not know where he's going with the ball nearly as much and is very inconsistent. Takes a lot of sacks, but can also burn you. I mean, he, he can go the distance and, and, and take one for 80. I would expect a much more conservative game plan if Brandon Wimbush is in the game. If, if this report is indeed true, he's a 55.3% passer as opposed to where Book was 74.5. So about a 20% drop in completion percentage there. Now, he did beat Michigan, certainly, going 12 of 22 for a buck 70. But that that is a drop-off for sure. And uh, if if uh, if Wimbush is in there, I'm probably going to take, take probably about a touchdown off my prediction. So that's uh, that's just something to watch for. And you'll also hear in the show, I don't think we're going to cut it out, you're going to hear our discussion about Book. But uh, again, as of the time of this recording at 7 a.m., we, we don't know who's going to start now. It looks like there's an early early morning report that could change things up a little bit. Well said. I don't think I have a whole lot more to add to that uh, Book. I, I mean, I watched the, uh, the Northwestern game, and Book certainly took some hits, but... Uh... Nothing that you would be able to immediately identify just from a, a first watch that would keep him out. Uh, I would lean probably more towards that's potentially precautionary and a, 
or a coach who thinks he'd be able to get the win regardless. But uh, something we'll keep our eye on. And look, we have to record these when we do. Things change. And uh, hopefully we'll give you the best idea possible as to what it might look like with either quarterback. All right, that'll do it for this week. Uh, as always, if you want to send us questions, either at Nolcast or uh, the Nolcast at gmail.com. Five stars on iTunes, if you please. And we'll be joining you again uh, late Saturday night, probably with an early or with a uh, instant reaction podcast after Florida State's game at Notre Dame.